Welcome. This is a Talking Tough podcast, brought to you by Dr. Martens and hosted by journalist Bohanna, creative entrepreneur Shamiro van der Geld, and myself, Jill Maton, writer and journalist from Amsterdam. The past year, we had to be tougher than ever. So we are back again to share stories of resilience with our guests, covering topics such as the presence of ego and spirituality, using art to express a message to the mass, and mental health amongst creatives. Sit tight and enjoy. Today's guest is Charlotte Adigeri, singer, musician, conscious lifestyle promoter, meditation practitioner, radio maker, and above all, a great human being with a great mind. That's what we think. <laughs> Today, we're going to talk about all this and especially about self-care. Time to dive deeper. Welcome, uh, Charlotte. Thank you. How are you? I am happy to be amongst you guys uh, and girls and everything in between. <laughs> I'm doing good. I'm at home. I've noticed that I am, when people ask me, how, would you, how do you feel? I have to think about it. <laughs> I have to like check. But I think I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> how are you? Yeah, it's funny. You say, I think I'm good. Like about how you feel. But then you think about how you feel. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. That's my mind and my body and or my soul that has this um discrepancy. I don't know how do you say, how you say it in, yeah, uh, in English. It's I think it's also more like we've been inside for so long and it's like not like if you say I'm great, it feels like you're faking a bit, you know? <laughs> do you find it important to answer that question in all honesty? Does it depend on who's asking or is it something you're very strict about? Oh, wow. Well, you got me there. <laughs> While you were asking the question, I was like, okay, but shall I like go into it <laughs> as soon as we start the podcast, like on what's really going on in my head? Or shall I be the polite Belgian Flemish girl and just say, yeah, yeah, I think I'm okay. <laughs> it's also all right to not be so okay always. And people should not maybe always need to hear that somebody is okay. It's yes. not also okay to not be always in that top top position or whatsoever. Yeah, well, okay, let me rephrase then. I think my hormones got the better of me these last days, last few days, as I'm um, five months pregnant. And yeah, it's been amazing. I've been very sick the first months, and then I really enjoyed it, like walking on a cloud. But then there's these days where you feel like completely slave, enslaved by your own hormones, and it's very intense, and anger or sadness can get like the better of you. Yeah, it's super intense. I think, yeah, I think it's important, as you said, to be honest in this podcast. And I think if I would hear more women talk about that during their pregnancy, I think it's super important and I think I know I'm not the only one. So I'm feeling happy. I'm feeling very pregnant. And I'm also going through um, the loss of my father who has Alzheimer's. So that's also um, a very intense process. Yeah. But happy in a way. I went to my therapist a couple of days ago and I was like, I feel good. I feel happy. 
I feel in tune. I feel in harmony, but I also feel super sad. And he said, yeah, that's normal. It's human. You can feel yeah. both things. You're alive. Yeah. I'm alive. <laughs> yeah, you feel alive. Yeah, I think it's also, we. it's not about good or bad. It's always something in between as well. Or sometimes it's gray area. Sometimes it's like this or that. Or yeah, it can be both mm -hmm. at the same time. And I think also like with your personal situation, that's quite intense, but also maybe this time as a musician can be intense. I don't know how you experience that. Yeah, it's been super intense. Mm, so we just came back from a, our first US tour. It was amazing. We were like, okay, what's next? Uh, let's do this. And then the lockdown and the pandemic happened. And at first I felt really scared. And I wrote a song about it that's uh, out now. It's called Bear With Me and I'll Stand Bear Before You because that was how I felt. I felt like super scared of people not knowing who we were anymore, uh, becoming irrelevant, but also really enjoying the, the slower pace in which I'm living. So in the end, now I don't feel scared anymore. I don't feel bitter about it. I don't feel angry about not being able to play or to go dance I felt like I learned a big lesson this year and it, it was one that I needed to learn for a long time. My mom always told me that. She said, you need to learn to let go of life. Lâcher prise is what they say in French. It's like, let go of everything. Don't be like, Ugh, wanting to control everything and control your life and be a perfectionist and just um, accept life's manifestations and realizing that trying to hold on to everything like that produces way more pain than if you accept it. So I'm okay. For the music part, yeah, I'm okay. How did you do that? Well, I think it's super simple. If I just felt like I couldn't do anything else. Normally, we, we all think at a certain degree that we are in control of our own lives. And I think that's also mm. a concept that we learn in the West a lot. It's like, yeah, and you make your own happiness. And if you, if you work hard enough and blah, 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 blah. And now we didn't have any control. It was like the biggest and uh, most collective lesson I think we all had. We couldn't do anything else. So it was super simple. It wasn't uh, this big uh, transformation on my part. The transformation grew out of that. But what, what was I going to do? Scream at who? <laughs> Be angry at what? So Yeah, I, I also think that's like two, two kind of people that people who really try to fight against it and people who accept are more accepting or indulgent in it. Mm -hmm. I think it makes it easier if you just, what you said, like let go and yeah, mm -hmm. indulge. So maybe you are that indulging person. Did it also influence your music, the changes that have occurred in the past months? Yeah, well, we were working on an album um, these last two years and we finally finished the album but most importantly I think it changed the way I saw myself as an artist I always tried not to completely lose myself in that identity as being an artist I also have a hard time saying I'm an artist to me I make music that's what I do I don't identify to the profile of artist to me it's too abstract and it doesn't say a lot for me But it helped me even more because whether you want it or not, and when you're stuck in that, the, the rat race of the music industry and uh, you tend to compare yourself to others or your career to others and, oh, this person 
got booked there and I, how come I wasn't booked there and blah, 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 blah. And before you know it, you get completely lost in that small world that doesn't define you in the end. And I just learned to let go, as I said earlier, even more. I make music. You could say I'm an artist if you want to, but I'm not only that, I'm also a daughter. I'm also a friend. I'm also a wife. You're becoming a mother. I'm becoming a mother. Oh, that's oh, that's a really good tool for yeah. letting go of that. Yeah. <laughs> your ego. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like it how you're like, re- like re- you're really conscious about that. Mm. Because I think in this time, a lot of people feel like they're not productive enough. Because, you know, we can't do a lot of things that we used to do. Our lifestyles are different. Maybe we don't travel as much or maybe we don't do as much. And I think a lot of people are suffering from that, like, oh, I'm not productive enough in this system. And you're really conscious about that, I think. Yeah, because I got so tired of it. Like, how is my happiness and my quality of life linked to what I do and how much I do? It's exhausting. And I see it everywhere around me. And our generation is like, what do you do? What project are you on to now? And if you don't have a, an answer to that question, you're like, oh, ooh. Like, (laughs) you're this awkward person who doesn't know what to do of his life. But it's way more than that. And (laughs) it reminds me of a friend of mine. We talked not so long ago and she was a model. And she, she also realized that all that ambition, that over ambitious life she didn't want it anymore and she's like now I go to surf every morning I she lives at the beach and she goes surfing and then she makes some clothes if she wants to or she she's super creative but it's not with the pressure of trying to make it as an artist and da 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 and then she also did she did a photo shoot with this guy she also she did things with in the past and he asked her so Sophie what are you uh, doing now? What what do you do? That question. And she said, well, mostly I Google. <laughs> and the guy like didn't know. She said it was a super awkward silence afterwards because people aren't prepared to hear that. And, and she said it in a funny way, but he didn't even see the humor of it because yeah, he expected this yeah. huge thing for her. And yeah. I thought it was so courageous to say that to a guy who owns his own brand and who hired her to do a photo shoot. Just mainly I Google. I think it's funny. (laughs) Charlotte, you have a French Caribbean background, if I'm right, and you're living in Belgium. How do you experience your culture and background from a music artist's point of view? Is that relevant for you? Is it something you tap into a lot or something you keep separate? No, I tap into it a lot. And it's been a strange process or a strange search because, as you said, yeah, I I grew up in Belgium. I went to Martinique a lot. Uh, I still do. But even though I feel like in every part of my body, I feel connected to Martinique and I understand, I feel the music. As a little girl, I remember when I was eight, I went to Martinique and we went to this museum about slavery and I felt this sadness that went so deep that as a kid I couldn't comprehend but I felt it so I feel super connected to Martinique but on the other hand I grew up here in Belgium and there's stuff I just can't when I'm in Martinique people see I'm not from there you know 
Mm. So it's always been this. Uh, you're in the. How do I see this? Because you're how you wear, what you wear. Yeah, like sometimes I try to blend in, but then there's this person from the other side of the street saying, "Hey, how are the holidays?" <laughs> like <laughs> I tried, but you can smell it on me. I don't know. And or on the dance floor, I would dancing is so important for people in the Caribbean, and when you can't really do it the way they think is the way to do it. They'll tell you and they'll see it on you and they'll they'll say something and they'll laugh because they love laughing with, with everybody and themselves as well. It's so strange and I f- it felt awkward for a while. I felt like this wannabe or something, mm. but it was strange because I it, it's not that I'm I know it I could I feel it, but it's not completely there. And now through the music, I try to uh, implement my Caribbean background. But I don't, I'm not going to fake it. I'm not going to fake my Creole accent that I don't have. <laughs> I'm not going to fake that I know how to dance to it. It's my interpretation of it. And I also have the right to call myself a Caribbean. It's different, but it's also okay. And I'm, I found um, freedom and happiness in just accepting that I am both Belgian and Caribbean, and I can tap from both these sides. It might feel awkward to you, and I might not be the most Caribbean person you, or I don't know, but it's fine. It's me. Like, yeah. I really like how you say the words as acceptance, because I want to touch from acceptance to self care. Is there a, like a link between your self care, your spirituality, and your background? Yes. I think it even started there. Started where at your in your background or? in Martinique? I think the spiritual my spiritual path, if I can call it that, started there, and also that path of self acceptance. It started there when I was twenty one. I went to Martinique, was going through a bad breakup, and I just didn't know who I was anymore. Like I, what did I stand for? Was discriminated a lot in Belgium, like people hit me in the face when I was 22, 21, spat on my face, like the worst. I had this period in time where I don't know what it was. Maybe I my energy or something, I don't know. It was like so often that I got encounters with racist people, aggressive people. It really had a, a big impact on me. And my boyfriend at the time, wasn't the guy who was like, stand up for yourself and da da da. It was more like, yeah, maybe you're attracting it and, and you should not be as, uh, you have a, a big mouth and da da da. So I was like completely lost. I didn't know what I st- stood for anymore. I didn't know how to stand up for myself anymore. And then I went to Martinique and we went to a volcano in Martinique. I was there with a couple of friends. And I remember talking to the guide from the volcano. They took us to this huge hike, amazing. Like we saw this huge waterfall that inspired me so much. Like the element of water to me, it was so inspiring that I even named my other project Water because of it, because I thought it was like super strong, but also very passive, very loud, but also healing, cleansing. There's so much to say about that element. And then after that evening, we had a dinner with the guides. They were all guys. They started to tell me the strangest stuff about myself, but like creepy stuff. And also to all my friends, like, yeah, there was this one guy who said, yeah, you're talking about your boyfriend. Actually, he's cheating on you right now. And I was laughing. Turned out it was true. Like the day 
<laughs> the day oh goosebumps <laughs> when i came and back he was like how do you know yeah i was doing nothing it was all it was all in the waterfall yes it was the waterfall told me and that started a, an awakening all of that the, there was this other guy who said yeah oh so you're a singer sing then and i was like no this is awkward why should i sing for you now i don't feel like it it's i need a stage and da, da, da. And, and he's like okay but with that way of looking at it like i don't know how he said it again but like don't uh, sabotage yourself too much and don't be that strict on yourself and find try to find liberty in creating and expressing yourself that's what he told me and he also said look you are at the verge of creating something amazing uh, with your music but really take care of yourself, surround yourself by good people, like this less, these lessons I didn't even ask for. And it made so much sense when I came back to Belgium and I started reading books about, yeah, spirituality, The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. I started meditating more and more and I felt way more connected to who I was, to my core, thanks to that experience, if that makes sense. I <laughs> don't know if I'm making sense right now. Which year was this? So I was 21, so I think it was, yeah, 2011. No, sorry. <laughs> 2013. And then two years later, it all started for me with the music. And I really believe it helped me so much to have these people like look through me and see my essence mm-hmm. and talk to me in that way. Mm-hmm. But it's also because you understood the, the message as well. Mm-hmm. I think I understood it later on. At first I was laughing. Oh, <laughs> like, really? who are you to tell me this? And da, da, da. But then going back to Belgium, confronting my boyfriend, who like <laughs> looked like he saw a ghost when I told him. So someone told me that you cheated on me then on that day. And he's like, and then all of it came together. It was a start. Yeah, it was free. This is just a small part of the things we experienced there. It's It was crazy. Maybe I'm going too fast because I don't want to elaborate on it too much, but it was a mystical time. Yeah. And is this also the, the way you keep yourself grounded as an artist to like mm-hmm. reflect on yourself in a spiritual way? Yeah. Without falling into the trap of, Saying I'm I'm spiritual because that's also something I see with a lot of people and I might have done the same is that when you're linking your ego to the spiritual term and then it makes you like, yeah, it's also something you, you could say, I'm an artist, I'm spiritual. I try to not lose myself in these labels and I try to use it, but also being very careful mm. and, and conscious as much as possible. This is like checking out, zooming out and looking at myself and not losing myself in this ego because it's a very egotistical world, the music world. But it helps me. It helps me stay grounded. I think I am. I try to stay humble. I try to, to stay thankful. And yeah, meditation and all of that and self-care really helps. What is that self-care for you? Meditation is a big one. When I feel I need some guidance, I go talk to my therapist. What else do I do? Yeah, slowing down in life because I felt when it went so well with the music, I felt like I was on this fast train. When you're in a fast train and you try to look at the scenery, but it goes too fast. So my days were like that, like experiencing one beautiful thing after the other, but not being able to grasp it. 
And that made me feel very uh, stressed as well. So like slowing down and trying, try to be productive. And I try to work on my craft, but I also try to not be too hard on myself uh, when I don't and when I don't. Like listening to my body, what do I need? Yeah. I saw you also made some very interesting videos about this self-care, about meditation. Why and how did you find reasons to do this and for who? Mm, thank you for saying that. Yeah, I did it for myself first, I think, because that spiritual path comes with ups and downs and it's not always great and blissful. And when life went so fast for me, I realized I had a lot of destructive and super strict and hard concepts in my head, like thoughts that were very destructive. And I got aware of that. And I, as, as you said, Bo, how do you use spirituality or, or how do you use self-care? I tried to zoom out, so I saw myself doing it. I saw myself being destructive all the time and being so hard on myself. And then I said, okay, thoughts are merely thoughts. It's not, it doesn't make you, but what do I do with these thoughts? And then we decided on making a meditation tape in which I, like, in a very vulnerable way, share all of these destructive thoughts to then get rid of them in a way, thank them because they have, they're, they're useful in some way. And, but it wasn't useful anymore. So I had to say goodbye to them. And that's, that resulted in this meditation tape. And the beautiful thing is that the people who took the time of listening to it, a lot of them say, yeah, I have the same thoughts. And I think that's also important as an artist. Is, I really think artists who are like more a, de um, a deity, like um, some mysterious yeah, persona. Sell, like a perfect image of themselves, you mean? Mm -hmm. I think it has its, its charm, but I think now more than ever, we need people we could uh, relate to. And that was my way of trying to show, yeah, my struggles. Yeah, you want to show your human now. Mm -hmm. Is this something you will do more? Yeah. I still do that, um, even though like I had this interview with a, with a paper in Belgium and it was super honest. And then I felt like unease, like, yeah, there's no mystery left when you share, share <laughs> all of that. <laughs> But I also think it's so important. I, we feel so alone most of the time. And, and it's, during lockdown, it's even worse. And I feel like if, if I were to hear more people admit that they're struggling and that that is not always good and that I that I don't always look as good as on my selfies or whatever or it would help so much but I understand why people do it why people try to put up this perfect picture it's it's trying to save yourself and trying to convince yourself that things are okay but it's okay to not be okay but that's something I try to it's a process of accepting that yeah Sometimes I also think that people are kind of obsessed with healing and with like the goal of being healed and, and live a happy life after. And then how do you describe healing then or like mm -hmm. going through that process? That's a really good point because that's what I wanted to say as well is that a lot of people link their ego to their to their spirituality or like healing or the, the empaths of the world. And I know, I believe it's real, but... You can also lose yourself in all of these terms. But what do you feel deep down? And the healing is something you actively choose, but it's not 
necessarily something you actively do or something. It's mm -hmm. like when you're losing yourself in the detoxes and the, the vipassanas, the silent uh, retreats and all of that, it's good. But at a certain point, you have to realize that the, the only way you're really going to heal is by accepting your flaws and accepting accepting acceptance is to me is healing yeah not bypassing your emotions yeah. yes and go through it yeah yes because that's something i feel like a lot of spiritual people do is like bypassing it and like going above it because that's at uh, the frequency of mm. spirituality but what's in there like i feel like there's so much going on mm. in there but yeah. it's scary I, i understand it's painful and scary mm. i'm also wondering like i'm asking this question a lot of times to myself but i'm also very interested how others see that because i don't know but how do you know when you've healed something mm. how do you feel how does it feel very beautiful question how does it feel i i think you just feel it mm. Because, yeah, talking about my, um, when I said my dad has Alzheimer's, I've been through so much with my dad. It's, it was a very difficult relationship between us. And then him having Alzheimer's, even before he got Alzheimer's, I actively worked on, okay, accepting what I didn't get and trying to find it myself and trying to accept myself and not being bitter about the past and forgiving him and loving him, but also communicating what I felt I lacked from him. I call it a graduation. Like some, you have these tests in life, some aspects in your life that you need to work on and, or you decide not to do it and you push it down or you decide to go for it. And I thought I went for it. I thought I graduated like daddy issues <laughs> graduated. <laughs> But with the Alzheimer's, it all came back and it slapped me in the face and I got super angry and But then I realized mm, that anger, I never felt that anger before. And I think to me, that anger was the last stop in the real graduation. <laughs> And now I can say like, the past doesn't matter anymore. I can say it wasn't right, but I can also say I love you. And I can look him in the eyes and take care of him and not feel bitter anymore. And to me, that a thing in my life, I feel like I've healed. That's beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. And do you feel like self-care can make people more accepting or loving towards each other? Yeah, I think it starts there. Yeah. What do you think? I think it's true what you're saying, that it starts there because once you take care of yourself, you can take care of others, right? Mm -hmm. I think self-care is also being radically honest towards yourself. Mm -hmm. So you can't lie to yourself and not to others and don't escape stuff. Mm -hmm. And that also makes your... I think a good person, not bypassing your emotions or uh, how do you say it? Look towards yourself first and then to others if you have an idea about, about things. But I guess some people could also become more selfish through self-care. Yeah, but that's sometimes I think like self-care in the Western world is so individualistic much time and it's also very privileged uh, that that makes people selfish because it's only about becoming more successful or mm. being the best version of yourself mm. and then we forget we are part of a collective and i think yeah I, i won't say that people doing it wrong but yeah i don't know if that's like for me that's that doesn't mean like being a kind person uh, mm -hmm. to others i was more trying to be the devil's advocate but uh, 
I can relate to what you're saying. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Go for it. Sorry. (laughs) No, no, no. I think I I said what I said, but uh, yeah. And sometimes it's maybe also good to be more, more EU centric. (laughs) I don't know how you see that Charlotte. Do you find it hard to be, to be there for yourself or. Yeah. It's also a practice. (laughs) And as Shamiro said, um, what is the line between taking care of yourself and being selfish? But I think the way of finding that balance or being truly like truly taking care of yourself and then therefore for others is listening to what you really need. That instinct, that intuition is there. What feeds me? What do I need? I'm trying to find a way of, because it was something I was talking about as well with my therapist because I felt like I am a people pleaser because I'm afraid of people thinking I'm arrogant or selfish or whatever but I lose myself in that <laughs> a lot so I would say yes at the cost of myself and then he said how did he say it again he said when somebody asks you something sorry I'm looking for the right way of saying it because he said it so well Oh, he said, yeah, you are always looking in the perspective of the of the other, the needs of the other, but you need to shift that. What are your needs? What feeds you? Yeah. He said, actually, you're being hypocritical. He didn't say that like that, but actually you're being hypocritical. If you're saying yes to the needs of other, you're being hypocritical to that person and to yourself yeah. <laughs> because it's not what you want. It's not what you need. That's an exercise for me. And I, with my pregnancy, I could feel like this inner void and these needs are clearer. And like, okay, that I don't need this. I don't need this. I need. So that's one part of it. But then, yeah, the balance, what's the limit of self-care and where do you go? Where does um, selfishness start? I think that's where fear and anger and resentment and bitterness take over. When that these are the motives of self-care that you get in selfishness i think well said yeah this also sounds like you're finding a home in yourself or how, how would you describe it there how would you describe that home hmm. it's a mild place i think it's a common thread is it that how you say it of this talk is acceptance again i've written this song on the album with my mom and in the chorus we say Love yourself the way you love your daughter or love yourself the way you love your mother. And that's key, I think. Why would you treat yourself differently than you would treat your daughter, your friends or whatever? Why are you so hard on yourself? It's okay to make mistakes. It's okay. It's not easy. And then we grew up in this system. So it's hard to undo these mechanisms. But to me, finding a home is, yeah, not being so hard on yourself. I think that's a Self-love. beautiful note to end with. And <laughs> thank you. Charlotte, thank you so much for being so open and vulnerable. I think that's something that we could learn from you to all do. Thank you. Lastly, we want to highlight the importance of giving back. So Dr. Martens is showing support to an organization of your choice. And you chose WikiFriends. Yes. Could you tell us a little more about WikiFriends and your link with them? Actually, it's a beautiful story. So thank you so much, Dr. Martens, and you guys for this amazing talk. Thank you for listening. And WikiFriends, (laughs) 
I had a lot of debts when I was till five years ago. I had a lot of financial problems and I went to the bank and I met this guy who was the only one in that bank who helped me. He didn't look at me like, I don't see any opportunities because you're too poor to, mm. to give attention to. And he really helped me with my financial problems. And we stayed in touch, like we emailed a lot. And now, five years later, he uh, mailed me saying, yeah, I have this organization in which I want to help schools. And now, but I'm sorry, but I forgot the country where he supports schools. He buys uh, stuff for the schools so the children there get a proper education and all of that. But I forgot the country. I'm so sorry. But it's somewhere in West Africa. And so he contacted me and he said, yeah, um, could I get a record of you that you signed so I can maybe auction it? And he also said, I asked a lot of people, a lot of known people in the Belgian scene, but nobody reacts and we feel a bit snobbed and ignored. And so... It's not a big of a deal to me. I just gave him a record and I signed it. And then he explained with his girlfriend what the organization is about. And I just felt so bad that this guy with this super amazing initiative gets ignored because the name isn't known enough or I don't know what it is. Yeah, get get something out of it. Yeah, and he also listened to me. So now... I feel like it's my time to listen to them and to give them the opportunity to expand as he did to me. Beautiful. Yeah, and thank you for sharing this. <laughs> so all other Belgium artists, artists in Belgium and around the world, Wiki Friends with a Z. Yes. Yes. You're Ra. late to the party, but not too late. <laughs> 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 yeah, that's also that's the next taboo we have to kill, you know, talking about financial problems. But that's a whole uh, yes. that's yeah. a whole other episode. So uh, call me. <laughs> so maybe the next one. But no, thank you so much, uh, Charlotte, for being open. Thank you. Thank you, Charlotte. Hope uh, to see you in the nearby future. Yeah, I love that. Always welcome in Ghent. Yeah. Thank you so much. I Thank hope you. I made sense. I hope I made it sense did. today. It did. You did. It did. Thanks a lot. Yes. Thank you. Great. And good luck with the pregnancy. Yeah. Thank you. And the album in January. Yes. Mm-hmm. We're all gonna listen. Great. Looking forward to to releasing it. <laughs> yeah.